So I have lovingly named this episode after one of the best books I've read over the last five years. It's called Leadership in Turbulent Times. The book was written by a very world-famous historian by the name of Doris Kearns Goodwin. Uh, She has obviously written many, many other very famous books. This one in particular, though, uh, was recommended to me by one of my favorite uh, uh, professors when I was in business school, Uh, and it follows the American presidency, specifically uh, a couple of very turbulent presidencies, Um, Abraham Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, FDR, and Lyndon B. Johnson. And if you think you know history, if you think you don't like history, if you think you know everything about these men and their uh, presidencies, this book uh, uh, sets out to set that record straight. Uh, Nothing is as simple, straightforward, or black and white as we would like to believe. That is true when we're talking about the American presidency. It is true in our jobs. We are all leaders. I got to imagine that most of the people listening to this podcast uh, are in charge of people, are, are leading people, guiding people, managing people. And so this episode is for you, right? I want to, I want to, give you uh, some more uh, reading, uh, some more books for your reading list. Uh, But more than that, I want to give you straightforward, actionable tasks, tactics, tricks uh, that you can put into practice right away to be a better leader, a more effective leader, one that can get more out of the teams that you lead. This episode is going to be packed with information and I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep it short, as short as I can. Uh, And then if you want to learn more, you get in touch. If you want to learn more, you go read the books that I recommend. All of the links we talk about, all of the books we talk about are going to be linked in the show notes. Listen, don't go anywhere. We got a great episode. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the hospitality industry. We cover marketing, operations, leadership, and everything in between. Each week, I leverage my 20-plus years in the industry to help you build a more profitable and a more sustainable business. I also work directly with operators all over the world through my group coaching programs to address and overcome the specific challenges we face in our industry. Curious to learn more? Set up a free 45-minute strategy session with me at restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Let me show you how simple it can be to run a profitable restaurant. Notice, I didn't say easy, but simple. And there is a difference, but it can be simple to run a profitable restaurant. Let me show you. Again, visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. As always, you will find that link in the show notes. Now, We all know managing costs is one of the most important parts of running a profitable restaurant, especially now. But between fluctuating vendor prices, waste, labor, and the never-ending list of tasks that demand your attention on a daily basis, it can be challenging for even the most experienced of us to manage costs well. That's where Margin Edge comes in. Margin Edge is a complete restaurant management software that automatically uses data from your POS and invoices to show you your food and labor costs in real time. 
Don't wait until it's too late. Margin Edge gives you the tools to make decisions in the moment, like a daily P&L, price alerts on key ingredients, and real-time plate costs, all without ever having to touch a spreadsheet. Take control of your costs, work more efficiently, and be more profitable. Learn more at marginedge.com chip. That link is also in the show notes. So, Today, we're talking about leadership, right? That's what I want to talk about. I find myself talking about that a lot, especially in my coaching groups, right, which um, at its core is executive training because I work with restaurant owners and operators from all over the country to help them level up, to help them tighten up, become more efficient, more effective leaders so that they can run more profitable businesses so they can spend less time working in the business, more time working on the business. That's the point of coaching. That's the work we do. It's the kind of impact we make. And I'm finding myself talking a lot more about leadership. And I've come to realize, especially over the last six to seven months, that that's what it all comes down to. It all comes down to us, to who we are, how we lead our company, the kind of people we put around us. So I want to share my own thoughts. I also want to distill down some of the best learnings I've gotten from books, interviews, podcasts, articles, and more. That's what this episode is all about. I'm going to keep things moving as quickly as I can. If there's anything you've got uh, questions about, you reach out to me. Chip at chipclose.com, C-H-I-P-K-L-O-S-E.com. Reach out, ask me questions. We've got these Q&A sessions coming up, these Q&A episodes. By all means, that's a great time to follow up about uh, anything you hear on this episode that may not quite uh, make sense. Uh, you can also uh, obviously link, uh, go grab these links, uh, go get these books, put them on your nightstand and start making your way through them. The beauty of any of the books that I'm about to uh, to tell you about as we go through here is that th- these these don't have to be something you read all in a row. This can be something you put on your, your nightstand and you read every couple of nights or you read once a week and you just, you know, whenever you've got a half hour, you sort of make your way through. It's a great way to level up to better yourself, which is only only, only going to help better your uh, your company. So today it's all about leadership. I'm going to mention a ton of books. Um, I will link to all of those in the show notes. Go get them. If you've got questions, ask me. You've got my email address, right? First and foremost, when we talk about how to be a great leader, an effective leader, we have to start with why. We have to start with why you do what you do and why that matters. So Start with Why is a book that I uh, that I keep on my uh, on my bookshelf. Uh, I refer to it quite often. It's written by a guy named Simon Sinek. I will talk about that, and then I want to talk about how I've sort of built on what he's written about to talk about something called the Two Whys. Right. So this is something uh, Sean Walshef and I um, uh, shared in a talk we gave out at the uh, the Western Food Expo uh, just this past summer. Uh, we were talking about sort of the, what's the ROI of great storytelling, uh, and what we realized is that a lot of people are afraid to tell their own story or embarrassed to tell their own story. A lot of people aren't even connected to their own story, which gets to the heart of what I think Simon Sinek was talking about in his book and gets to the heart of what I think every great leader needs. And it provides a really great place for us to start. So first things first, I want to talk about the golden circle. So Simon Sinek wrote a book many, many years ago called Start With Why, and he shares this uh, diagram, right, that he calls the golden circle. And really, it's three concentric circles. The outermost circle is labeled what, one ring in is labeled how, and then the innermost circle is labeled why. And in his book, he argues that most companies work from the outside in. They know what they do, 
They know how they do it in a more compelling way, how they do it in a better way, how they differ from everyone else in the market, right? But very rarely do they get all the way to the center, to the why. Most companies don't know why they do what they do. Again, they know what they do. They know how they do it better than anyone else. They don't understand why they do it. They don't understand why that matters. And Simon Sinek in his book makes the case that the best companies out there actually start with why. They start at the center and work their way out. They build their company based on their mission. He uses Apple, which is a great example, right? So Apple's a computer company, right? They make uh, consumer electronic products, uh, computers, laptops, iPads, iPhones, iPods, all that stuff, right? And you know how are they different than everything else out there? Well, they're a closed system, it's sleek design, on and on, right? So that's what they do and how they do it. But actually, Steve Jobs and the team over there at Apple started from the inside out. They started with why. In fact, if you look at any of the early writings, any of the manifestos that Steve Jobs put out to the early staffers, right, and the early employees that he brought on, the reason his company exists is to empower the individual. That's why the company exists. And it's so funny, when you look at the company through that lens, understanding that the company exists, Apple exists, to empower the individual, then you start seeing that the, the flexibility of their devices, right? Think in terms of the apps, that I've got an iPhone, you got an iPhone, every, all of us, 10 of us can line up our iPhones on a table and you pick up any one iPhone and it's gonna be a wildly different device than the one you're used to. Right? It's the same thing with me. I put apps on there to help me accomplish the things that I need to accomplish during the day. Right, Conveniences, uh, games, things I want, productivity, all of that. My iPhone is optimized for me, my life, my work. And I'm gonna guess that your iPhone is optimized for your life, your, uh, your work. In a simple way, Apple has empowered the individual, has empowered me to do what I want, to be the most me I can be, to, to create a life for me. And the same thing with you, right? Your iPhone exists to help serve you. When you look at that, then suddenly it becomes easier to build out. Well, so we want to empower the individual. How are we going to do that, right? We're going to do that through hardware and software. Well, then what? What does that manifest itself? How does that manifest? You know, that manifests into what? into really sleek design, closed systems, sharp, well-made products. So when you work from the inside out, it totally changes how you view a company like Apple. Simon Sinek in his book goes on to argue that the same is true for you. If you want to do work that matters, and P.S., if you are in business, if you serve people, then what you do matters. You don't have to have the number one consumer product in the history of the world. You don't need to do that to make an impact in the world, right? And that's what Simon is saying. Simon says that if you are in business, if you are serving an audience, if you are serving people, then what you do by definition is important. Important enough to start with why, to work from the inside out. This has been formative to me. It's been a big part of how I coach. Um, all of the clients I work with really need that. And I, and I, and I, um, and I push them to come up with their why. And it's not easy. I get it. A lot of people throw up their hands and they're like, oh, listen, we're just a sub shop. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, we exist to feed people. Okay. Why did you open a food shop? So this is what led me 
and Sean Walshev, right? If you don't listen to his podcast, you should. If you don't follow him on social media, you should. He is uh, very smart, um, very passionate, very, uh, very gifted. Uh, I love being in his orbit. I love that he is in uh, in my orbit. He's been on this show already twice. We put this uh, thing together, and one of the things we tripped upon as we were putting the talk together is this idea of the two whys, right? Number one, the number one why is why do you do what you do or why did you start the company, right? Why did you decide to do what you do? That's the first why that we got to reconnect with. And the second why, the number one is why should that matter? Why should that matter to your employees? Why should that matter to the consumer, right? Why do you do what you do and why should that matter? Those are the two whys and all that does is sort of build on Simon Sinek's framework. Really what I'm trying to do is make it actionable. I'm trying to make it so that people can think more deliberately and put that stuff into practice. So when I uh, work with a when I work with a, an operator or an owner and I say, "Hey, write those down. Take out two pieces of paper. On one, I want you to write down the story of why you do what you do. And on the other one, I want you to write and tell me why you think that matters, why people should care that you exist." Again, I'm not trying to say that it doesn't matter whether you exist or not. I, I'm I'm believing that you that you do exist for a purpose and it's a valuable reason. And all I'm saying is that we have to reconnect with that. And then we have to make that obvious. We have to make that obvious to everyone around us, to our employees, to our guests, to our community, to our purveyors, to our investors, to our 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 partners, all of that. And I think too many restaurant owners sort of throw up their hands and say, well, I don't know, I just run a Thai restaurant. Oh, I just run a Mexican place. Oh, we, I just, I run a sub shop. It's not that deep. I just wanna make money. The way you make money is by serving more people, by serving them in a way that they are not being served, by solving their problems in a compelling way. This is what we talk about over and over and over. And you can say, oh, Chip, you're being too lofty, you know, head in the sky, you know, whatever, but it's not. I'm telling you, from the biggest, most important restaurant in the world down to the simplest, most pedestrian restaurant. And I'm talking about, let's say, my bodega. So back when I was living in Brooklyn, I had a bodega at the corner. It was between me and the subway. Guess how many times I went to that bodega on a weekly basis, right? I don't know, six, eight times? Because I'd go get a you know bottle of water. I'd go get a breakfast sandwich. Uh, I'd get you know a sandwich on my way home from work. I'd get um, you know I'd go pick up paper towels. I'd go. I'd be there all the time. They served a very important function to me and the other people in the community. You don't have to be changing the culinary world to be important to matter. You just have to reconnect. You have to understand why you do what you do and why that should matter to the people around you. That's where we start. That's where I want to start this conversation today. Then from there, right, really what we're talking about, if we're honest with ourselves, we're talking about our mission. So one of the exercises I do with my clients is the MVV exercise. MVV stands for Mission, Vision, Values. If you go to any big corporate website, you can search around and long enough before too long, you will find a very gross corporate-y page that outlines the company's mission, their vision, and their values. It's all pretty much garbage, but it doesn't have to be. And so what I do is urge my clients to come up with those things, right? Your mission is directly connected. In, in many ways, it is your why. So when I walk my clients through this, uh, this is how I do it. I'm gonna walk you through the same sort of thing that I tell them, right? Mission, vision, values, right? 
What is your mission? Meaning, why do you exist? My mission is to, you fill in the blank. That's how your mission statement works. And it doesn't have to be lofty. In fact, it would be really great if it was like nine words. The shorter, the better. Short to the point. That's what, that's what it should be. Why do you exist? Our mission is to blump, 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 blump. Short and sweet. Don't make it a paragraph. Don't throw in all these big adjectives and flowery words. That's what the big corporations would do. That is not what we are going to do. If you throw all those adjectives and flowery words in there, it starts turning into uh, word salad and it means nothing. I want it to mean something. I want it to be a document that's so clean and easy to understand. You can give it to anyone in your organization, any guest at your table, and they say, oh, I get it. I understand why you exist. And to a certain degree, that should help them understand why it matters, why they should care. So your mission is what you're trying to accomplish on a daily basis. Your vision is assuming you achieve your mission, what does that mean on a global level? Now, you define global as big or small as you want. It can be, hey, if I achieve my mission of being the best um, uh, teppanyaki restaurant in uh, this neighborhood, then what will happen? This neighborhood will turn around. This block will start um, will start attracting other restaurateurs. Um, this town, we will put this town on the map as a culinary destination, and other restaurants will move in. Diners, foodies from uh, from other parts of the state, other parts of the region will come here. Right. So, if we achieve our mission of being one of the best restaurants in the city, that will help elevate dining in this city. In time, we will become. Uh, you know, a culinary hub. That's your mission and your vision. Now, your values are your core values. I would pick three or four. No less, no more. I don't know why it just works better this way. What are the three values that you hold more dear than anything else? The things that are obvious and woven through your entire establishment, right? Right? So if you say sustainability is one of our core values, it can't just be a buzzword, can't just be something you slap on a menu or use in your uh, press releases. If sustainability is going to be one of your core values, then that has to influence how you source your food, your beverage, how you source your plates, any sort of to-go packaging, how you uh, get rid of waste, what sort of uh, farmers and farms you work with, on and on and on, where you source your energy from, all of that. You really have to put your money where your mouth is. Whatever you choose, if you say uh, teamwork, if you say joy, if you say uh, creativity, uh, curiosity, sustainability, whatever it is, it has to be so obvious. So if you say uh, creativity is something we value more than anything else in this restaurant, then creativity has to be on display in the way the menu is designed, the way the menu is laid out, the way the menu is presented. the, the combination of flavors, the way those uh, dishes are presented, served, the way we, uh, the way we model service, the way, we, it's gotta be on display in some way in every aspect. Again, 
Can't just uh, can't just put it on your press releases and talk about it on your website. It's got to be obvious so that people walking out of the experience of your restaurant go, man, it was so create so creative. It took took such creativity to do blah 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 that dish. It's it, it was so creative. It never tasted anything like it. The way they served that other dish, that other dish, the creativity. It's got to be obvious every single step of the way, right? So that's the MVV exercise. Next, I want to move on to something we've talked about before on this show, this book, Good to Great. It was written by Jim Collins years ago. Again, this will be in the show notes as well, a link to buy the book. Two ideas that he introduces in that book. There are a lot of ideas. It's a great book. If you've never read it, it's worth reading as a leader. Two ideas that I want to focus on today. The hedgehog concept and this idea of what he calls the mirror and the window. So the, the hedgehog concept is this thing he talks about. Um, it's a Venn diagram. So three uh, overlapping circles, right? And it says, what can you be the best in the world at? What will people pay you for? What drives your economic engine is how he phrases it. And what are you deeply passionate about, right? So again, those three circles, just want to repeat them. What can you be the best in the world at? What will people pay you for? And what are you deeply passionate about? And the three overlapping circles, what, what is in the middle, right? That Venn diagram where all three overlap, that is what you should be doing. If your restaurant does not fulfill all three of those, if your restaurant does not rest comfortably in the middle, then your restaurant needs to change. You need to evolve that restaurant, not pivot. You need to evolve that restaurant. And again, here's the beauty part about life, right? Is that we change. We are not static people. What we wanted five years ago and 10 years ago is probably different than right now. I know for me, what I wanted five years ago and 10 years ago in my life has changed drastically. And that's okay. That's the beauty of being a human being. We grow, we learn, we evolve. As we get older, our priorities change. So Jim Collins says the best companies in the world live in the center of that Venn diagram. Right? What can you be the best in the world at? What will people pay you for? And what are you deeply passionate about? Right? Two out of three is not good enough. You gotta find the thing that ticks all three and you gotta exist right in the middle. That is deeply connected with your why and your mission and all of that. As you try to figure out how, uh, how to uh, craft your mission, how to figure out what you should be doing, why you do what you do, why that matters, the hedgehog concept can help you get there. So think about answering those three questions. Also in this book, in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, he talks about this mirror in the window concept. And he says the very best leaders look inward, look in the mirror first before they look out the office window. So what you have to do and get in the habit of doing, and I've tried to be better at this and I really try to work with my clients to be better at this, but every single thing that happens in your restaurant, everything that goes right and everything that goes wrong eventually comes back to you, right? So I end up uh, talking with a fair amount of people. This happens a lot when I, when I end up having calls with people um, and, and uh, people who aren't quite right for the, um, for the coaching program. Um, I find that they spend a lot of the call complaining about things in their restaurant which is fine, I'm happy to hear those, I'm happy to give you the opportunity to give voice to those things, and that is valid. But I always follow that up by saying, as a thought experiment, now all those things that are going wrong, all those things that drive you crazy, 
If I told you it was all your fault, what would you change to change those things? What could you change in you, in the way you lead, in the way you communicate, in the way you talk? What would, what would you say if I said all of those things ultimately have to do with you? You are the one responsible for all these failings. It's a very hard question to answer. It's a very hard thing to hear. But in my experience, most of the things that go wrong in a restaurant roll back to the leader, roll back to the owner, the one who's in charge. And say, oh, my staff's really lazy. They, they always come in late and they're always looking disheveled. Well, why are you letting them show up late and look disheveled? And now I know. You guys are gonna be listening to this and say, it's so hard to find good people right now and we'll take whatever we can get. We just need warm bodies. Fine, fine. But what would you have to do to get exceptional people? Now, maybe instead of paying 20 bucks an hour, you gotta pay 45 bucks an hour. Maybe you can't pay your bills if you pay 45 bucks an hour. I get all of that. But there is an answer. What is required in order to find really, really, great people for your restaurant. This idea of the mirror before the window is a crucial one. We always look inward. Another way I've heard it phrased is we always blame up, right? We're at the top of the pyramid. It's always our fault because we put the people in place. They oversee the line staff. They manage the people. It is ultimately up to us. How did we hire? How do we train our people? How are we overseeing? How are we holding these people accountable? We are ultimately responsible for everything. The key to leadership is taking responsibility and understanding that you are where you are because of what you've done and how you've done it, right? Now, do all of this and you will be better, certainly a better leader than 99% of the restaurant owners and operators out there. Do that, everything we're talking about, and then you can begin showing others how to do it, which is really the key to this, right? There's a certain ownership that's required. The first half of this episode is all about ownership, understanding what we have to do with this. But really what we have to do is we have to make this actionable. So how do we put any of this crap into, into, into play? How do we take ownership of this and teach the people and empower the people who work for us to do the things we need them to do? How do we motivate them? right? To take action, to do the things that we need to. We're going to talk about all of that on the second half of this episode after another word from one of our sponsors. Now, today's episode of Restaurant Strategy is also brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a team management platform built specifically for restaurants. Great restaurants are built by great teams. And Seven Shifts is your secret weapon to better understand your restaurant, hit labor targets, and keep your entire team connected. With drag-and-drop scheduling, in-app communication, task management, tip management, and more, it makes restaurant work a whole lot easier. From back of house to front of house, managers, franchise owners, and larger corporate teams, Seven Shifts has benefits at every single level. Plus, it integrates with the other systems your restaurant already uses, like POS and payroll. Turn your team into your competitive advantage. Restaurant Strategy listeners, get three months absolutely free. Get started by visiting sevenshifts.com slash restaurant strategy. That's the number seven, 
S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash restaurant strategy to get three months free and join over 30,000 restaurants using seven shifts today. As always, that link is also in the show notes. So you now know your why, you know your mission, you understand how that leads to your vision, right? The, the vision you have for your future, what the world will look like if you achieve your mission on a, on a daily basis, right? You understand your core values, you understand this of uh, this idea about the, the hedgehog concept and this the importance of looking inward, of looking in the mirror first before we look out the window, before we cast blame anywhere else, we start with us and we ask ourselves, how are we responsible for this? This is really hard to do and I don't mean to say that it is easy, but there's something very simple about this, right? There's something very simple. It's super important to understand why you do what you do. Why are you exist, why do you exist in the world? People need to know that. That's They make decisions based on that. Now, maybe the answer is uh, we're the most convenient option out there or we're the cheapest available or we're the whatever. But I think there's a better way out there than just trying to, um, than just trying to win based on convenience or price, right? That's the definition of a commodity product. We certainly talked about that before. We can talk about that again if you'd like. But we can compete on things that are more interesting than convenience and price, right? And it begins with leadership. If it, Without that, if you don't supply an answer, people are just gonna make their decision based on convenience and price. So you gotta tell them why it matters, why you matter, why it's a good thing that you're in the world. You gotta tell them why they should go out of their way, why they should drive an extra exit on the highway, why they should spend a little more for yours than the other one, right? Super important, that's what leadership is about. It's about clarifying that, communicating that. So communication now, this is really key. Talked all about this, uh, you know, the first half of this episode was about building a foundation, really understanding how we can take ownership of this, what we have to do in order to get anyone else to do what we need them to do, right? So that's the beginning, but the whole key of this show is to make things actionable. We make it actionable by learning how to translate our two whys to our people, right? We communicate why that matters, right? It's super important that we learn how to communicate. Now we can communicate in a variety of different ways. In the end of the day, what I'm really interested in is having you create ambassadors and evangelists. So ambassadors are who we hire. We hire ambassadors to execute our mission so that we achieve our vision. You cannot cook all the food, serve all the plates, pour all the drinks, clear all the dishes, run all the cards and say goodbye to every guest. You can't. Some of you may try, but you fail if you try. You can't. So we hire people as stand-ins for us, because we can't cook everything, we can't serve everything, we can't, serve, can't answer all the questions, we can't clear all the plates, and on and on. We hire staff. What I want you to do is think of your staff as ambassadors. They are ambassadors for you. They're the one carrying your banner, executing your vision. Your staff are your ambassadors, and I want your guests to be your evangelists, right? 
You want them to go spread the word far and wide about who you are, what you do, and why that matters. Hey, I just went to this great place. It's so different from all the other places, and that's why it matters. That's why I went. That's why I'm recommending you to go. That's what you want your people to do. If you want them to do that, you've got to give them a shorthand. You have to give them the vocabulary they can use to speak about that. Otherwise, they're going to say whatever they're going to say. The best companies in the world give people a shorthand, right? The sleek design of the Apple products is a way of sparking conversation. People don't have to say, well, uh, the products are really sleek, well-designed, really sharp. They just say, well, look for yourself, see for yourself. The best companies in the world do that. They make it obvious. They wear their heart on their sleeves. They put their money where their mouth is. It's very easy to see why the best companies in the world are successful. So it's about communicating your vision, your mission, your why, your two whys to your staff so that they understand why it matters that they're there. Hey, this is why I do what I do. This is why it matters that you come to work every day and help me accomplish this. Really what you're doing is helping to feed their why. You're helping to give them purpose. Man, that word purpose is so important and we just skate all over it. Why do we get out of bed in the day? This is existential, right? But we're on this planet for a short time. What do we do with our days? There are lots that you can do with your days. There's lots of ways to make a buck. A lot of places to live. A lot of places to live that are cheaper than here, nicer than here, more beautiful than here, wherever here is. I got to imagine, I have to hope that you live where you live, that you are where you are. You do what you do for very specific reasons. That there's a purpose to what you do. There is a purpose to what I do. That's what gets me out of the bed. That's what gets me on calls. That's what gets me to do what I do. It's the best, most important work I have ever done. I used to work with huge Michelin star companies, you know, James Beard award winners. I used to work at capital I important restaurants. And for a while, it was obvious why I did what I did. It was obvious to me. Well, I'm working at a very high level. I'm, I'm, you know, changing the culinary landscape of New York City. I'm on in that, on and on. I did that for a long time and I got caught up in that rat race and I never stopped to ask myself those two whys. Why do I do what I do and why does that matter? In the end, I couldn't answer the first and so there was no answer to the second. Slowly, and it didn't happen overnight, but slowly I built my own business and I started building a life that was intentional so I could work with the kind of companies I really wanted to work with, so I could make uh, an impact, really move the needle on those businesses and bring everything that I'd learned, all the experience and insights that I'd gleaned over the years, I could bring them to clients that would really appreciate it. Where where one little switch, me showing them how to build a a projection, me showing them how to really budget in every department, would change their lives, would help them squeeze an extra 100, 200, sometimes $400,000 out of their budget. At the end of the year, uh, I don't know anybody, there's nobody in my life that I know whose life wouldn't be profoundly changed with an extra one, two, three, or $400,000 at the end of the year. That's what I do. That's why I do what I do. 
It is about communicating that to the people that matter, to the people who work for you and the people who you serve, right? So for me, that's my team that I have around me that helps executing my, uh, that helps execute my marketing. The ones who help line up my travel, my speaking gigs. And that's all the people that I support, all of the clients I work with, many of whom I gotta believe are listening to this. That's my why. I would hope that my why is very obvious on a daily basis based on what I do and how hard I work for my clients. I bring myself fully to those conversations, to all of the work we do. What you need is to do the same and you need everyone who works for you to bring all of themselves to the table when they work for you. Now that's not to say, that's not to say that this has to be their their everything. This is your blood, sweat, and tears, your guts, everything. The server, the bartender, the busser, the porter, it does not have to be their everything. They intersect with you in your life, in your business, in a very specific way. It doesn't mean that they can't have purpose in what they're doing, that they can't, that what they're doing can't help fulfill them and drive their personal life. It should, in the best case scenario. Even for the student that's just trying to make a couple extra bucks while they're putting themselves through college. If you ask me, that's a pretty important uh, important thing. Being able to pay for uh, books and tuition and just a little spending money to go out and hang out with your friends. That's okay. That's an important reason to do what you do. Or it's an important reason for your staff to do what they do. But you, at, it, at the core, have to get really good at communicating you're too wise to them, to your staff, and to them, meaning your guests. Because ultimately, that's how we market. Marketing is just about convincing people to change their behavior. You used to go to that other place, I want you to come to my place instead. On average, you're coming to my place about once a month and I wanna change your behavior, I'd like for you to come once a week. I would like you to order from us twice a week. I would like for you to order from us and get catering once a month. I, you, it's about changing behavior. And people won't change behavior for no reason. You've got to give them a reason. It's too easy to stay in our grooves and to do what we've been used to doing. So here, we're, now, we're getting, now we're getting really deep when we talk about leadership, right? Leadership is about more than speaking in an authoritative voice, more than standing tall and yelling at people, more than putting up the schedule, more than firing people. Really what you're trying to do is motivate people. Firing people is the easiest job we have. It should be very obvious if somebody's not a right fit, right? And that leads us to the last little piece that I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about an idea called VABES, V-A-B-E. It's an acronym, it stands for Values, Assumptions, Beliefs, and Expectations. All of us, every single person, whether we're a leader or not, we come to a, a conversation, let's say, an interaction with our own set of values, assumptions, beliefs, and expectations of the world. We were raised a certain way, right? I was raised a certain way by my parents. I was raised a certain way by the mentors and the managers who, um, who, who I uh, worked under in my first couple of restaurant jobs, I was raised a certain way about work ethic, about how we do what we do, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we dress, the way we speak. And not everyone 
comes to a conversation or an interaction with the same set of values, assumptions, beliefs, and expectations as you have. In fact, very rarely will people have the same. Maybe people in the same family or in the same town have quite a bit of overlap because there were some cultural norms, but not all the time, right? Values, assumptions, beliefs, and expectations. Uh, my brother and I share a, a similar work ethic. My brother and I have certain assumptions about the world and all of that. We have different value sets. The things that I value are very different than the things he values. Doesn't make him wrong. Doesn't make me wrong. Doesn't make me right. Doesn't make him right. My values are right for me. His values are right for him. What's really important, not such a big deal when you're just dealing with family or you know talking to friends, but super important when you're dealing with employees and when you're dealing with guests, people who might be prospective customers. You have to understand where they're coming from and you gotta find a way to explain to people where you're coming from. Values, assumptions, beliefs, and expectations. If there's anything you take away from this episode, it's that. This idea that every time we enter into an interaction, a conversation, we are bringing all of our own stuff to the table and other people are bringing all of their stuff to the table. There's no easy way around it. So the key is to make those obvious and clear. And we talk a lot about expectations when we talk about leadership, right? And I was said a few minutes ago that, um, that firing somebody is the easiest job we do. It's easy if you very clearly lay out the expectations you have for the person. So, Welcome to your first day. My expectation for you is that you show up on time in uniform with clean pressed clothes. You come ready to work. You detail your station. You come to the meeting ready, prepared. You've got product knowledge. You know the computer system. You come eager, ready to learn. You write down the specials. You memorize everything. You speak passionately and hospitably to our guests. You help get them whatever they need and you guide them through the experience. Your job as a server is to drive as much revenue as possible. That's my expectation for you and how you are going to fulfill your requirements, the responsibilities of the job. That's something I say a bunch of different ways to every new person I bring on whenever I open a restaurant, whenever I manage a restaurant. Th these are my expectations for you. This is what we do, this is how we do it, this is why it matters. You've heard me say that before. This is what we do, this is what we do, this is how we do it, and this is why it matters that we do it that way. I can't tell you how crucial that is. And then what happens is that you check in from time to time in an informal or formal capacity. That's leadership. Not to reprimand them, but to support them. You check in and say, hey, so we went over the expectations, these were the 10 expectations for you. You're doing seven of them really well. Three of them could use a little work. How can I help you get the rest of the way? Again, as a reminder, this is where I need you at. You're at a two, I need you at a 10. What else can I do to help get you the rest of the way? That's what a real leader does. It's been said before, right? A leader works for the employees. My job as a leader is to give you, the employee, everything you need so that you can execute the job the way I've outlined it. Because if you, the employee, if the employees execute their jobs, in the end, it all runs back to me. It helps me be busy, stay profitable. So our job 
is not to yell at people and whip them into shape. Our job is to lay out the expectations we have for them, support them in whatever way we can for them to meet those expectations and to excel at their job. And then beyond that, our job is to continue to support our employee as they grow. Because again, priorities change. We evolve, our lives evolve. What we want changes. Again, what I wanted five or 10 years ago is very different than what I want now. And that's okay. It's the best part about being alive, that we can change, that we do change, right? Values, assumptions, beliefs, and expectations. We all have our set of them, and they're very different. You will do yourself a big favor if you get really good at articulating those, communicating those, and making it very clear what your expectation is for everyone. And hey, guess what? That goes for the guest as well. My expectation for you is that you show up on time for your reservation. You come dressed appropriately. You have a good time. You don't drink too much. You eat your food. You pay for whatever you consume. You have a great time. You go and spread the word about the great time you had with us. Whether that's explicitly stated or just implied, it exists. We have expectations for our guests. And again, it's important to communicate them. The easiest example of that is the super fancy restaurants that require a jacket and tie. They're really good at uh, communicating that expectation. Our expectation is that you will wear a jacket and tie when you come dine here. The same exists for all kinds of other things. Our expectation is you come and have a really good time. That's okay too. So what we're trying to do is create ambassadors and evangelists. You do that and you do that successfully. You can manage them successfully by getting really clear on these VABEs, V-A-B-E, values, assumptions, beliefs, and expectations. That's how you begin to manage. And we can get into a whole conversation, and maybe we will in the next couple of weeks. We can get into a whole conversation about management, how we manage people. But there are really great books out there. If you've never read Danny Meyer's book, Setting the Table, uh, is the best one out there. Um, his theory, his philosophies on how we manage people um, is the very best out there. I don't know any other better way to do it. So that's a great place to start if you want to go down that road. But leadership is different than management. We provide leadership by getting really clear on these things. Our two whys, our mission, understanding our vision, communicating all of that to our people so they can be ambassadors for us and go and execute our vision. All of that is crucial. Listen, if you got any questions about anything we've talked about today, email me, chip at chipclose.com. Again, the link to these uh, these books that we talked about are going to be in the show notes. Um, I appreciate you being here each and every week. Thank you very much. I will see you next time. <laughs>